Good morning. Would you please stand and worship with us? opportunity to worship. We thank you for shelter from the rain. 
We thank you for the rain, for all that surrounds us in your creation. That you sparked us, that you got us up, that you got us here. Help us, Lord, now to be here, to be present, to sing your songs, to pray your prayers, to read your text, to proclaim your word. Help us, Lord, make this space and this time be a time of transition for us to the understanding of your will, your love, and your purpose for our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you joined us today. If you're a guest, um, we're grateful that you walked in the door. I know what it's like to walk in a space and not know very many people. We're grateful that you did it. We want to make sure that you have a um, bulletin with you. And for those of you accustomed to our um, bulletins in the past couple of years, this is a change. Um, I hope it's a good change for you. 
as you see it, we try to make it as simple as humanly possible. And we continue to try to have more pictures than words because we know that um, that's preferable. We try to say the least possible because we know that's preferable. Um, very quickly, um, you have our entire staff and a way to email them on the front. We're going to use this flap in the bulletin for things that you might turn in, things you might fill out, things, uh, poll questions we might have. You can fill it out, and there are baskets at both doors. You can place this bulletin right in the basket. Place the whole bulletin there, and we'll get your information that way. When you open the bulletin up, you have our five practices and um, announcements from each of our groups. And um, we've added one element, the Sunday sermon notes. You can uh, write in there if you like. And if you need to um, uh, fill out one, we'll find another way uh, for you to keep it and then uh, give us that same information. You also have your bulletin on the back, and it's for both worship services. Because so much of this service is on our screen and it can change uh, during the week, we'll try to put the least possible in the bulletin because we know you don't uh, need much for that. Um, very simply, we like to frame our announcements in the five practices, the first of which is radical hospitality. We hope you were welcomed as you came in the door. We have restrooms here. We have um, coffee and donuts there. We have a security check-in station in the back if your child is fifth grade or below and is going to any programming. Um, we have visitor cards and prayer cards on the back table. You can uh, give us any information that you like, and we'll contact you in the way that um, you have given us. And um, also, you can participate in the prayer life of our church by um, calling the number on the very front of the bulletin. It goes directly to email, and that email goes directly to me um, or the staff member that's covering for me. Um, so please leave a very clear message. It worked um, this week. Um, someone was able to tell uh, me something. Uh, you can use it anytime. Supper at 6, today's the last day to register. You see the details in the bulletin. We believe in passionate worship. Um, in both of our services, we have two very different styles, and you'll see this style in the gym. You'll see the other style in the sanctuary at 11 o'clock. It's now time for Children's Chapel. If you're kindergarten through second grade and you would like to go, you'll go with our children's director, Miss Aaron. Uh, you can go with her for the rest of the service, and um, you'll see notes on how to pick the children up. Yeah, you can go. Um, on how to pick the children up or where they will go from this place. Uh, Miss Alice Burnett um, has passed yesterday. Um, we have a celebration of life service tomorrow at 1 p.m. in the sanctuary. Uh, so if you know people that might not be in worship today and might not get our church email about that, if you'll please let them know. It'll be at 1 p.m. in the sanctuary tomorrow, and you will have um, the opportunity to greet the family directly following the service in the social hall. Um, we'll also have mailing addresses of their children if you would like to write them in our Tuesday and Thursday email. Um, the chancel continues to change in the sanctuary. If you go, you'll see pews. You'll see these wires, bundles, all over campus. That's because the security system is being installed. You're going to see how we um, implement that over time and how it will create, actually, far more access for you, um, far easier. Um, we believe in intentional faith development. You see announcements about that, one of which is um, something I don't say as often. I do a podcast every week. It's very simple to access. It's sundayscripturepodcast.com. That's it. If you go to uh, iTunes, search that, it'll be there. And you can subscribe, and you'll get the sermon from Sunday, um, usually on Monday. And there'll be a um, podcast during the week that is about the text you'll hear the following Sunday. So it gives you insights of things that are coming and also um, gives you a chance, if you're going to miss Sunday, uh, to uh, understand what we talked about that week. 
We believe in risk-taking mission and service. What can we do to support our community, our region, our nation, our world? Um, today is UMCOR Sunday. The United Methodist Church loves acronyms, like the military. The United Methodist Committee on Relief um, helps uh, groups all over the world that have been devastated by any number of things. We are um, giving today, as we said in the email, to UMCOR, but if you think, well, you know, I forgot, or I didn't know that, we're going to do it through the end of the month. Even the um, link to give electronically has a chance to make it specific for UMCOR, which is United Methodist Committee on Relief. Uh, we encourage you to do that. We believe in extravagant generosity. And you may think, you know, the bulletin doesn't have the same financial report it has normally. That's because for space and for everything else, we're not going to have that in the bulletin week to week. Instead, in our newsletter, it's going to be an entire page, which will be a far more detailed um, description of what's going on in our church, what we plan to do, and I've asked Jimmy for a fun fact, whatever that might be. Um, he'll have that uh, on the paper for extravagant generosity. Um, if you are interested in um, participating in any sort of uh, thing that I've described, if you see them in the bulletin, if you have any questions, please uh, seek us out. We're going to start a new thing uh, with announcements during the week. We're going to record nice videos and have them in the email. Please uh, look out for that and watch the video when it comes. That's um, plenty of announcements. Let's pray together. Gracious God. We continue today in the season of Lent. Help us recognize our difficulties. Help us recognize how as humans we've been impediments to your will. Help us recognize the way we've given up on our responsibility. How we've said not my problem. How we've called for justice for others but grace for ourselves. As we read a difficult story today of Jesus facing the Roman governor. Help us, Lord, to see every angle of the story. The difficulty of being a politician. The difficulty of being a religious leader. The confusion of being in the crowd. And ultimately, the commitment of your son in the midst of those swirling emotions and agendas to do what he felt it was necessary to do. Bless us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Washing hands. How long are you supposed to wash your hands? How long do you wash your hands? You do the thing at the restaurant that I do, we were at one yesterday, where I want to wash the hands, I want the paper towel thing, not the dryer, 
I want to use a paper towel to shut off the thing, and then I want to use that same paper towel to open the handle of the door, or I want to be able to kick it. That's the jam. When you can pull out that whole thing. It's not easy. Sometimes you press on the soap dispenser, it's not there. Sometimes it's a hand dryer. Sometimes it's a Fort Knox door for some reason. And you feel like, I'm coming out of here worse than the way that I came in here with all sorts of things that you want to wash your hands. Now, I'm getting worse and worse about that and um, you know, may make a resolution one day to get better, you know, to start to let it go. But this is an image I want you to consider. You see signs in restrooms of businesses that say what? Employees must do what? Employees must wash their hands. You see signs in restrooms that give you instructions on how to wash your hands. That's over there. I'm assuming because of the CEP, although I think that's funny because a lot of them can't read. <laughs> right? But that's just, the, that's just the curse that I have. I live that way, asking questions like that. Children come in from playing outside. They go, they got sinks in their rooms. You got to wash your hands. As I go from one room to another in the hospital, you have to hit that thing and wash your hands because those people are so dependent, both the patient and the nurses, um, that you do that and don't go from door to door. We wash our hands all the time, physically, literally. This one's a different one today. It's when you say, I wash my hands with this. I don't have anything to do with this. Y'all have had this conflict. Y'all have had this trouble. Y'all build it up before it comes. Y'all don't want to talk about it. You want me to get in the middle of it? I refuse. I'm not dealing with it anymore. It's um, symbolic where uh, the governor will put his hands in the bowl with just simple water and say, I wash my hands of this. I want y'all to notice that when we get to it. Matthew chapter 27, verse 11. Jesus was brought before the governor. The governor said, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, that's what you say. But he didn't answer when the chief priests and elders accused him. Then Pilate said, don't you hear the testimony they bring against you? But he didn't answer, not even a single word. So the governor was greatly amazed. This is Jesus in front of the political power in that region. Last week he was in front of the religious power of his particular faith. They didn't want him judged, but they don't want anything to do with it because it's a really holy season. And now he's before Pilate, who doesn't really want anything to do with it. And we're going to read about it today. Now why is Jesus there? Why are the religious leaders there? Why is Pilate there? It's your first phrase power of Passover. This is a extremely holy season to the people of Jesus' faith. It's entirely significant to them. They were granted freedom from horrific bondage, from slavery, from death in Egypt back in the book of Exodus, just the second book in the Bible. And it wasn't easy. God went out to a desert and found a man who had committed murder in great passion and anger, Moses, and said, I need you to go back in. God brought several plagues upon the people of Egypt in order to sway them, in order to get them to sway the Pharaoh, in order to release the people of Israel from this slavery and bondage. 
a pharaoh who had denied previous agreements made by previous pharaohs, that these people of Israel are entirely significant to our life and to our existence, and just said, you know what, I'm going completely away from all of that. I'm a new pharaoh. I don't trust them. They're all going to be slaves. When enough plagues came to the people of Egypt that they cried out in such pain and such anger that it brought change from the Pharaoh to truly let the Israelites go, they still went out and there was an ocean on, between them or a body of water. A body of water, a mountain, and then Pharaoh said, wait, what are we doing? We just gave up all our free labor. Go get them. Body of water, mountain, soldiers coming. And the people, in the first instance that they do this, for the next 40 years with Moses, they say, well, I guess you brought us out here to die. I could have been a slave. That was actually amazing compared to this point here. God opens that body of water so that they can cross through. And this is what we're celebrating. This is what Jesus' people are celebrating in Jerusalem, Passover. So it has tremendous power. Approximately a thousand years after that event, Jesus is in Jerusalem. Tons of people are in Jerusalem to celebrate this specific holiday. And you know, uh, when lots of people come into town, you've got to have lots of extra stuff come into town with them. You've got to have vendors. You've got to have extra employees in everything where you are. And you've got to have extra security. And that's your second phrase, the governor. The governor is in town because everyone is in town because of the power of the Passover. Pilate is mentioned almost every Sunday in the 11 o'clock service because we do the um, traditional Apostles' Creed. We say his name every Sunday. And any church that uses the Apostles' Creed also says his name every Sunday. You multiply that by the number of churches around this world, you cannot imagine how often his name is mentioned. You think he knew that in the moment? You think he knew that he would be wrapped up in the story in the moment? We're about to find out why. But politicians, religious leaders, coaches, generals would all tell you you never know when a simple moment, something that's happened, is going to turn into a moment that is told for the rest of human history. What happened in that moment? Pilate likely doesn't prefer Jerusalem. It's busy. It's loud. It's dry. It's dirty. Sand is just on the other side of it. And I don't mean like a little bit of sand. I mean more sand than you've ever seen. More dirt than you've ever seen. Just on the other, just when Jerusalem ends, you can see why it ends. Desert. He actually lived on the coast on an amazing uh, spot called Caesarea by the Sea. And um, I've been there. There's an amazing amphitheater there. There's an amazing uh, uh, horse track racing deal and uh, castle right out on the water. You're talking about out on the water and he was there most of the time and it was his job in that region to keep emotions low to keep people in line to keep taxes going back to Rome but on Passover 
He had to go to Jerusalem because so many people are going to Jerusalem. And you know what? You get enough people celebrating a holiday in which they were in bondage, going to freedom, and you might get a certain number of people get together and say, hey, you know what? We could probably overthrow these people. They're, they got spears. They got shields, these Roman soldiers, but there's way more of us. So what do you want to bet? The presence of the Roman soldiers got a little bit higher, a little bit more elevated, looking around a little harder, and reacting a little faster because you know they're teenagers. So Pilate, the governor, has to be in town for this specific reason. And he's forced to deal with this curious man, Jesus. Now, he probably didn't care. But the religious leaders who normally would hate the presence of the Roman government, the Roman soldiers, the Roman governor, and they have this fortress that's sitting right down, looking down on their temple, they hate it. But this year, that's actually kind of convenient. Because we can get the Roman government, we can get the soldiers to crucify Jesus, and then we don't have to bother with it, the religious leaders think. And we think of crucifixion as this crazy, out-of-the-way thing that happened to Jesus. It happened all the time with the people of that time, and especially with this government. It was an excellent way to show people in public, this is not what you're supposed to do. And lots of times they'd have a sign and say, this is exactly what he did. And as you walk past that sign, you'd think, well, I don't want to ever do that. It's a proper deterrent. So the power of Passover, the governor in town, forced to deal with this curious man, Jesus. Verse 15. It was customary during the festival for the governor to release to the crowd one prisoner, whomever they might choose. At that time, there was a well-known prisoner named Jesus Barabbas. When the crowd had come together, Pilate asked them, Who would you like for me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ? He knew that the leaders of the people had handed him over because of jealousy. While he was serving as judge, his wife sent this message to him, Leave that righteous man alone. I've suffered much today in a dream because of him. Now, a couple things about that. 50, 60, 70 years after this event, the author of this gospel is compiling these stories into what he hopes is a um, reasonable document that can then share this message to people. How does he know that? I don't know for certain. I don't know if he includes it um, because he heard it from a person or from he heard it from three people and then he's got to make a choice as to whether to keep it in there or to delete it. See, we don't think about that. We don't think that someone was actually making choices as to what to include in this story and you can see the Gospels are all over the place as to what they include and what they exclude. And we have to acknowledge the fact that a believer in this story is the one who crafted this story. Now why include that part? You remember anything else in the Old Testament about dreams? Remember the kind of impact that dreams can have? The uh, person who delivered the people of Egypt from total starvation was a man named Joseph who interpreted dreams. 
the Pharaoh at the time was having all kinds of crazy dreams about animals starving and people dying. He couldn't understand what was happening. Turns out there's a guy who's a prisoner way down in the bottom, Joseph. And uh, I think as a chef, somebody like a chef, the Pharaoh, like many leaders at that time, gets grumpy with somebody, sends him down to the prison. Get out of here, that food is terrible. Goes down to the prison. He spends time with Joseph. He comes back up because he served his time and he's around Pharaoh again. Pharaoh has these dreams and the guy goes, hey, there's actually a guy downstairs in a cell. He interprets dreams. He can probably crack the code for you. Send him down there. Joseph comes up. He goes, oh yeah, I can tell you what that is. You imagine if he like, had a little hitch in it or a little pause. Yeah, I can tell you that. You know, if. I mean, like, what, what are you going to do for me? He interprets the dream for him. He says, a famine's coming. It means a famine is coming. It means we need to stock up all sorts of grain. When the famine truly comes, they have all sorts of grain. They are owning the region. And the Pharaoh goes, my man, I'm going to take care of your people. That Pharaoh dies. A new Pharaoh comes to power. And like many people who come to power, he goes, I don't know what this last guy did, but he's an idiot. I'm doing my thing. These people are enslaved. And that led, it's crazy how connected it all is. In a dream, she says, he's a good man. Don't do anything to him. Or at least that's what the author of the Gospel of Matthew heard and wanted to include. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. Let's go then, um, your next phrase. Chance for freedom. Which is again tied to Passover. The Roman government freed one person for morale for the people of Israel because we got to throw them a bone so that they stay peaceful and stay under our um, uh, authority and continue to give us taxes. So we'll take one of your people who we've got and we'll free him. So Pilate, who can't see what this man has done, yet Jesus, yet sees him as going to his death in front of this big crowd in the courtyard says, I got a solution. You know what? We free somebody every Passover. Let's free Jesus. Now, I don't know if the whole crowd responded no at first or if religious leaders who wanted to influence it started going, no, 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 we don't want that. Mm -mm." And then the people responded. Whatever it was, the people said no. No, we we don't want him freed. We want that guy freed. An actual prisoner who had committed actual crimes is the one who is freed and let go. This is the irony that's lost on that crowd. That crowd that's there to gather for Passover. The holiday for which they gather, the God they claim to love so dearly, the son of that God is bound before them. His freedom is now in their hands. And what did they do? Crucify him. 
man, that's dark. Now, we can't exactly place ourselves in that position, but I bet there have been instances where you've seen someone in your office get a little more authority than they had before. You've given authority to an older brother to police the younger brother. My goodness, uh, at the Citadel when they said sophomores could turn around and influence freshmen. Those who were what called knobs three months ago now feel as if they are 50 and can impart all wisdom to the one that is eight months younger than them. When you put authority and the ability to punish in the hands of a person who didn't previously have it over someone that has either been lording it over them or someone that's their equal or someone who's immediately below them, you will see some dark stuff most of the time. And that's what they do. On a holiday celebrating freedom, they do not grant that freedom. Instead, they want justice and they want death. Verse 20. The chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and kill Jesus. The governor said, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, they replied. Pilate said, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Now that's fascinating. None of them would say the Christ. None of them would say the king. They'd say this is Jesus of Nazareth, like saying Joe of Rakhil. And they would say, Nazareth is dumb. There's nothing, what good is coming from there? The governor, who has not been a follower, who is not connected to this faith, who has nothing to do with God, calls him the thing that is the most holy thing, the Christ. Now, I don't know if he's mocking him or he's heard it or what. They all said crucify him. But he said, why? What wrong has he done? They shouted even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw he was getting nowhere and that a riot was starting so he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. It's your problem. Now, where do you identify in that story? Better be everywhere. And this is the last statement. We cannot keep our hands clean. Is that one word or two? I debated that all week. It's one? Dang. So close. I like how a numbers person knew it too. I love that. Uh, we cannot keep our hands clean. One word. Politicians, religious leaders, temperamental followers, uninformed mobs, we may not have literally held all of those positions, but we've literally felt all of those emotions. We've literally been part of a crowd who said, oh, that person's way guilty. Get him out of here. We've been in a position where we had a chance to influence other people, and we said, no, no, I want justice for that person. We've been in a position where we knew the right thing, 
where we had a little bit of authority. We didn't want to deal with it, so we said, you know what, I, I don't have anything to do with that. He said, I'll wash my hands of this. It's your problem. I have nothing to do with it. He's the most powerful man in the region. He can make the soldiers do whatever he want, wants, which means he can make the people do whatever he wants. But he doesn't have the courage, doesn't have the conviction, doesn't have whatever it takes. We cannot keep our hands clean. The best thing that we need to notice in the season of Lent is we have participated directly in the impediment of the message of God to other people. Man. We need to to let that in, and we need to not numb it. We need to acknowledge it for a full season to keep us humble, to keep us focused, to keep us directed towards following what Jesus was trying to do, because if we had been in that spot, we might have done the same exact thing. We need to say, I need to be focused. We need to struggle with it. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to beg for freedom from the human desire to defy and ignore. We need to ask God for freedom from this condition, knowing that we as humanity could not grant that freedom ourselves. That's a hard place to be. You ever truly need help from someone and you know, I can't can't help back. That's one of the last things we ever want to do. We don't want you to come over and help us move. We don't want to ask for money. We don't want to show that we're weak and that we need your help. We don't want to do that because it tears down this thing that we've got it together. But in this season, we're going to do that. We'll continue to notice and gain the conviction that we need to celebrate on Easter Sunday and to carry that message forward. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll please stand and join me in our modern affirmation. These words are um, helpful to us in this service. In um, uh, clarifying our faith, you're welcome to listen, and you're welcome to read along with us. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. It's now time for our offering. I'll remind you that um, if you want to designate a portion or um, give an extra portion to UMCOR, we would certainly appreciate it. I would, uh, you can do that for the rest of the week. There's also a segment where you can do that online, as I mentioned before. If you're a guest today, we certainly don't expect you to give. You can if you like, but you can rely upon the generosity of our people.
was your goodness on the cross that made a way for us if I could praise with every song it wouldn't be enough so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown for all Days my heart will praise no matter what may come. The worldly treasures soon will fade. I'm standing on the rock, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown Christ is risen, hallelujah, my sins forgiven, hallelujah, Christ lives in me, hallelujah, I am free, sing this last one with us.